You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. From across the stars, Commanders Michael Cohen, Matthew Krenke, and the Ragtag Crew are here to bring you stories of adventure and excitement from a galaxy far, far away. Get ready for tales of merciless bounty hunters, courageous heroes, and sinister villains from the core worlds to the outer rim and beyond. And welcome back to Faster, More Intense for The Mandalorian Chapter 4. I'm one of your hosts, Jason Hunt. And with me, joining me on the other side of the microphone, we've got another first-timer to Faster, More Intense. We've got Tim Jirasi. How you doing, Tim? What's up, Jason? Yeah. Did I say your last name correct? You got it perfect. (laughs) (laughs) You're one of the few. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I thought I had it right. I wasn't questioning it until it came out of my mouth. And then I was like, oh, no. no, no. <laughs> it sounded beautiful, yes. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Good, good. Oh, man, Tim, we are here to uh, to talk about a fun show. At least everyone else tells me it's fun. I don't know about it. I, uh, you know. Uh, what, just... What's it called again? The Mandalor- the Mandalorian, I think. Okay, yeah. I thought yeah. that was called. <laughs> I think it's a Star Trek show um okay enough of that i can't i can't we, keep that going <laughs> either, like we can't sustain that oh man um so first of all uh for any new listeners to uh faster more intense uh i my name is jason hunt i am the host of the uh, one of the hosts of the podcast the wampus lair podcast which is part of the Star Wars Report Network, a longtime friend of Mike and Matt. Um, done a lot of stuff with them. You might actually recognize my voice because I come on and say, you're listening to the Thunder Quack Podcast Network. At the beginning you are of- the first voice anyone hears when they listen to a podcast from this network. Yeah, <laughs> I'm the voice of Thunder Quack Podcast Network. No, just kidding. I'm not going to claim that. But yeah, no, I... <laughs> Uh, you've heard me if you, even if I haven't talked on the show, if that makes sense. Um, I also do a bunch of the, uh, intros for Mike's Star Wars podcast. So, um, but I've been doing, uh, podcasting for gosh, over eight years now, uh, with the Wampus Lair with my good buddy, Carl. And now we've added Katie to the show. So we talk all sorts of Star Wars topics. So if you ever want to just get a random Star Wars discussion going, come check us out. Uh, Mike, for anybody who's new to Faster, More Intense, what's your Star Wars podcast cred? Yeah, mine is Star Wars The Saga Continues, which on the last episode you heard the other two hosts from the show, Kyle and Paul, uh, talking with Matt about the third episode of The Mandalorian. So I was the last one to jump on board for Faster, More Intense, but it's good now that our whole crew has been on the show. So, um, yeah, we've been doing it since 2012, the day after 
they made that announcement that Disney's buying Lucasfilm. Kyle hit me up, hey, you want to start a podcast? And we've been going strong ever since. And like you added a new host to your show just last year, we added Paul to our group talking Star Wars. So we're growing, but the conversation just get more and more fun <laughs> as we just interact with more people and just talking Star Wars is always a blast. So yeah, and man, talk about there's been no better time to talk about star wars than right now right month. <laughs> right oh my gosh we are less than a month away from the rise of skywalker we've got the mandalorian you know eating up the charts so to speak you know eating everyone else's lunch money because it's such a good show um and we've got jedi fallen order which tim i assume you have Yes, I actually just beat it this past weekend. So congratulations! <laughs> I am. Uh, where am I? I'm just going to Kashyyyk. Okay. <laughs> That's my favorite world of all all of them in the game. It's so much I, fun. I am. I am so slow when it comes to video games, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but I'm. I'm enjoying it as much as you know, and as anybody could. It's really fun so far. Um, but yeah, we are in a crazy time for Star Wars right now. It's just Star Wars everywhere you look. Um, before we get into what we're here to talk about, um, there was some news today. Uh, today, The Rise of Skywalker had a Q&A um, on, their, uh, on the Star Wars social media stuff uh, with some of the cast and crew of The Rise of Skywalker. I believe they had most, if not all, of the primary cast and some of the secondary cast, as well as, uh, if I recall correctly, director J.J. Abrams. I'm saying, if I recall correctly, because I was at work at the time that this was going on and did not have a chance to watch it. Um, so, and Tim uh, was in the same boat, not yeah, able to see it. Did over today. me. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we're, we're kind of not the best people to tell you about what happened, other than that it happened. But um, our... Our assumption is that nothing huge broke because phones did not blow up this afternoon. So, um, which I, I can imagine we are, you know, less than, you know, we're, we're like less than three weeks away from this movie being in theaters. They're not going to give us, you know, a bombshell spoiler or, you know, exclusive this close to the release of the movie anyways. So, um, I'm sure it was fun and, you know, I, I'll probably go check it out tonight or tomorrow, but, um, that, you know, don't go into this Q&A expecting to learn all the secrets of the rise of Skywalker because <laughs> that's not going to happen. <laughs> there might have been some fans maybe hoping that would be the case because I remember for The Force Awakens, um, I think that was where Harrison Ford let it slip out that Ray does, in fact, have a lightsaber duel with Kylo Ren at the end of the movie because just oh. before that it was always just the finn and kylo shots that they were showing for that lightsaber battle that's and true i remember when harrison let that slip and everyone kind of that's where the phones blew up <laughs> and the tweets started coming for that so right. there's probably some hope that maybe someone would have slipped something juicy for this one but i don't think it happened no no uh if it did you guys know more about it than we do right now so yeah <laughs> <laughs> All right. Any other news other than the fact that, oh, my gosh, you know, Star Wars is coming in less than three weeks um, that we need to get to, Sam? I will say I am a little bit surprised this 
past weekend, this Thanksgiving weekend, there was tons of TV spots released for the Rise of Skywalker. And I watched maybe ones released in the first few days, but after that, I was like, oh, I, I got to put my limit on now because <laughs> we're getting pretty close. And each new TV spot had some new footage. So I was like, uh, I'm fine with the two I just got. Now it's just time to wait for the movie to release. <laughs> oh, okay, good. That, that, that was where my question was going to go. Are you the kind of person who has to find every single TV spot or, you know, uh, or, or not? Uh, I used to be that way, but okay. I've learned to have more patience <laughs> and just wait <laughs> for the actual movie to enjoy all that awesome footage that's being shown now, but waiting to see it first on the big screen. Right. Yeah, I... I am a complete spoiler phobe when it comes to the movies. Officially released information, I'm totally fine with. Like any trailers or you know, officially released interviews or things like that, I'm totally down for for digging into those and 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 figuring out what, what's going on with that stuff, stuff and and picking it apart. Um, but when we get into the TV spots and they just essentially release a new one every day for the next three weeks, you know, yeah. before the movie shows up, I'm like, ah, uh, that's I okay, can good. Unless, you know, because anything really cool or important will get sent to me. So, you know, <laughs> mm. um, I did check out the international trailer. So there's a couple of cool shots that I hadn't seen before, but nothing groundbreaking. Yeah. And part of me's sometimes when I reason with myself, I just watch it because for all the past few movies, they've done a great job of releasing the TV spots and showing some cool footage, but they never show like the really big stuff. So they're, oh, yeah. they're pretty good about saving that. So maybe I should just watch it, but then I'm like, eh, but it'll, it'll still make the first viewing extra, mo even more special when I'm seeing all this stuff for the first time in the theater. Right. Right. Yeah. It, I, I'm the, the one who's, you know, devours the trailers like they're, you know, manna from heaven or something. But yeah. as soon as we get within <laughs> that month before the movie, I'm like, okay, I'm done. Bye. And I completely disappear from the world of, of conversation about yeah. the movie. It's like, so you have to do that, man. Right, right. Even you do. If somehow, some way, some you'll find out something that you don't want to. If you just right. Don't go completely dark. Exactly. Uh, all right. Enough about Rise of Skywalker. Uh, we're here to talk about the Mandalorian Chapter Four. Um, I think perhaps we should just give a quick, you know, for since this is our first time on this show, we should probably give everyone a quick rundown of how we're feeling of the show so far. Just real quick. I think that might be helpful. Um, and then we can dive deep into chapter four. So I assume, Tim, that you're enjoying The Mandalorian. Yes, I'm enjoying the heck out of The Mandalorian. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Obviously, a Star Wars fan, we were just excited about the series when it was first announced and the first ever live action Star Wars TV show. And it looked great. The trailers that they showed for it, it looks so good, almost movie quality level. And when I saw the first episode, I was like, man, this is exactly what I was hoping for. But then the ending happened and we got Baby Yoda. And then <laughs> it just surpassed my expectations and my enjoyment of it just by the dynamic between Baby Yoda and the Mandalorian. It's just... Everything about it is clicking for me. These last few episodes, man, I just, I love it so much. So I think I could safely say it exceeded my expectations and I was pretty darn excited for it going in. Okay. Yeah. That was going to be my question is how excited going in were you? Because I was, when the show was announced, I was like, okay, cool. You know, that could, that could be interesting. And then the trailers happened and I was like, oh, 
I think I'm actually excited for this show. Um, and then the first episode happened, and I'm like, okay, this way exceeded my expectations. But I I didn't go in with any. Mm-hmm. So um, how how many expectations did you have? Were you excited going in? That kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, just knowing basically what basic premise of what the show is going to be about, how John Favreau and Dave Filoni kept describing it as, you know, kind of having that Western feel, lone gunslinger, bounty hunter, just, you know, going to get his bounties. And of course, you know, certain things would happen along the way. And I was excited just to learn more about Mandalorians and their state after the fall of the Empire and just get more of that history explored, which you've gotten too, which has been really nice. But yeah, again, when you just throw in that dynamic with him and baby Yoda and just not even just, you know, how cute baby Yoda is. It's just the fact that there's a possibility of us exploring more of Yoda species. And that has me super excited. I don't know how much they're going to go into it, but that opportunity is there now. And that just excites me to no end because I'm someone who's always wanted to know more about Yoda and his species. I know there's some who kind of like to keep that mystery for him and which I get, but for me, I, he's such a great character. I, that I, I do want to find out where he came from and is his species all really strong in the force as he is. And I think what we're seeing with baby Yoda, that might be the case already. So just all the stuff that we could possibly learn about Yoda's species that we've n- never known before, I think is very exciting. So I just added another level to why I was so excited for and just <laughs> loving it so much. Yeah. Yeah. That, that took a, that took a turn I was not expecting. So, yep. Um, and speaking of turns, uh, chapter four is really a departure from what we've had so far in the series. Yeah. Um, for one, just the colors are so much brighter. Yeah. And there's green and blue and, and nice tans and things like that. We're not in this grim gray, you know, drab browns and grays anymore. So it's like it's really pretty this yeah. episode uh for one but you can almost quote ray from the force awakens when she says i never knew there was so much green in the galaxy <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's why watching yes. those first three episodes <laughs> yes exactly i mean we open up this episode you know underwater looking at you know iridescent blue shrimp so uh y- you know you know things are gonna be different this episode but i think different was really good and really welcome at this point in the mm-hmm. in the story so um that's that's what you're gonna need for a tv show that's spanning several episodes and you know we're just so used to star wars live action movies and them having a specific feel for the whole movie but with a tv show of course you're gonna have different episodes that feel different look different or pace different and all that so this one definitely was a departure but i think a welcome one from what we got in the first three episodes yeah i i agree um Let's start with general thoughts and then work our way through the specifics of what we liked about this episode. Uh, What are your thoughts in general about this episode? Um, Yay, nay. Where does it rank amongst the other episodes? That sort of thing. It's definitely a yay for me. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was solid. Um, Probably not quite on the level as episodes two and three. I think those ones were just complete standouts. And I, I think this one's more on par with episode one, but with the end like the last half of episode one with the shootout with the mandalorian ig11 and then the reveal of baby yoda i think that one probably puts it just above this one so this one's probably my least favorite out of the four but i don't want that to sound like a negative because i still really enjoyed it 
Um, it's definitely felt a little more smaller scale, obviously being in a small village and this was a group of farmers. And the one main criticism I have about it is that we've seen this story before in Star Wars, in <laughs> the Clone Wars season two, the episode Bounty Hunters, where Anakin, yeah. Ahsoka, and Obi-Wan are on pollution. They help this group of farmers with bounty hunters fight off Hondo and his pirates, and they're training them to stand their ground, defend their land. So it was very similar to that. But so that was something where I couldn't help shake the feeling that, yeah, I've seen this before in Star Wars, so it's not necessarily something entirely new. But having said that, it was still cool to see this story be told in live action and just seeing this part of the galaxy and you know, the Mandalorian as a character doing this for this uh, group of farmers in there. So I still enjoyed it, even though it was familiar for something we've seen in Star Wars. And of course, it's just a story that's been told, you know, ways back. I mean, think of the Seven Samurai or Magnificent Seven, that type, those type of movies that deal with this sort of scenario. So again, um, something familiar, but still, I thought done really well. Yeah, no, it, it was familiar. And uh I, I did recognize, you know, the fact that it was related to uh, the Bounty Hunters episode in, in Clone Wars. But um, I guess the question is how many people watching The Mandalorian have also seen The Clone Wars? Yeah, you know? that's a good point. Um, I'm sure there's a, you know, a decent portion, but probably the majority haven't, which is a shame because if you – haven't seen the clone wars what are you doing here go <laughs> it watch is amazing. it yes <laughs> it is it is on par with this series ladies and gentlemen um dare i say certain episodes are on par with the movies so. uh, <laughs> that's how highly i think of some <laughs> yes indeed um well, yeah no this is definitely a yay for me um it's hard for me to rank episodes because you know it's it's I'm terrible when it comes to ranking episodes. Everyone always wants to know what, what's what's your favorite. What's your favorite? And I'm like that all of it. Um, <laughs> I right there with you. I mean, I can't even rank the movies right now. I'm <laughs> I'm gonna have to for a future episode of our podcast once episode nine hits. So that's gonna be very tough for me. <laughs> <laughs> so um, although I I think I think. As much as I enjoyed the other episodes, and there's some really awesome stuff, uh, and Werner Herzog's character, the client, his is just fascinated me for whatever reason. He's captured my attention, um, you know, for the the first ep two episodes. Um, I really, really, really like this episode, and I don't know if I like it more than some of the other episodes, or if I just like it different than some of the episodes. Mm -hmm. um, it's hard for me to pin down. I've seen it twice. Um, and, and I plan to watch it again. Um, but it, it's hard for me to place where in the series I like it so far. Um, but I really like it because it, it kind of takes what has happened before and goes, all right, now this is where the story changes, you know, because we, we had the, the initial hunt for the asset, a.k.a. Baby Yoda. And then we had the turning in and, and the conscience going, eh, maybe not. Mm -hmm. um, after the, you know, the Jawa sidetrack uh, where, you know, the Mandalorian and Baby Yoda connected and Yoda saved his life. 
we need to get a name for this character. I, <laughs> I can't keep calling him Baby Yoda. Um, we all know it's not Yoda, but what else can you call him at this point? <laughs> right. I know. I know. Um, so, uh, and then you know, now he's made the decision. Okay, I gotta, I gotta watch out for this kid. And this is like the first time we see him away from stuff taking care of of this kid and what did you think of the mandalorian's relationship with with the kid now because it's it's definitely changed yeah from the previous episodes yeah i'm loving it i mean i got that sense of just one of the things that i was so excited about him discovering baby yoda just knowing what that relationship could be you just see it grow and grow as each episode progresses with baby yoda saving his life in the second episode and then him you know going back to rescue baby baby yoda from the empire that was in episode three and now we're just kind of now that things are a little calmer they're trying to lay low you're just seeing more of that like father aspect and instincts come out of him just that little conversation they have where they're flying to the planet in the razor crest where you know, he just tells him to stop touching things and calls him a little womp rat. <laughs> just all that yeah. little stuff is just really, really great. I just there's just something really cool about it to me, where you're seeing this bond develop between this this baby and this grown man who's you know would lead you to believe he's someone who should probably never be a father figure. He's a bounty hunter. He's always on his own. He's dangerous. But the fact that we know there's goodness in his heart and he genuinely cares about this baby. It's just really cool to see. And I know this might sound strange, but there's just something about, you know, seeing that amazing Mandalorian helmet display kind of like someone in that helmet display those fatherly qualities <laughs> to this little baby. There's something really cool about that to me, seeing that awesome armor holding a little baby Yoda and he's protecting him like in episode three and he's looking out for him here, taking him out on walks. There's just something really cool visually about seeing a Mandalorian be, you know, taking care of this baby. There's just something really cool about that to me. So yeah. each episode, I just love how the relationship is growing. So I just can't wait to see more of it. Cause I originally, I thought maybe by the time we get to the third episode, he delivers baby Yoda to the client and we won't see him for a while for a few episodes. And, Maybe he'll come back later on by the time the seasons, like maybe the last three episodes of the season, and that's maybe where he'll discover that the Empire is up to no good with him, and he has to go rescue him. But if he's going to be in almost every episode of the season, that's fine with me because I'm just <laughs> loving what we're seeing of him so far. <laughs> oh, and 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 Baby Yoda has taken over the Star Wars meme verse. You yeah. know that there's <laughs> you can't find anything else right now, um, <laughs> but. Yeah, no, I I really like the the fact that he that this is happening with him. It, you know, we're he takes his helmet off in this episode, the Mandalorian, but we don't see his face. Mm -hmm. So all we know of him is the armor, essentially, and the fact that he was a foundling who lost his parents during the Clone Wars. That's all we know, really, about this Mandalorian, yeah. um, and so. And this episode, not only does it bring out the fatherly qualities, but we also get to see, you know, which which I love. I really <laughs> calling the kid a womp rat was 
so good. Yes, so good. I was like, thank you so much. That that made that made my my Star Wars heart sing just a bit. Um, but then he, you know, he also meets this this mother and daughter in the village, and a connection starts to be formed. And, and I know we're jumping all over the place here, but it, you know, it it almost seems like he wanted to stay at the end mm-hmm. and become part of this community and maybe, you know, uh, develop a further relationship with this, this farmer woman and, and her daughter and, and maybe become part of that family as well. Um, but he, he couldn't, you know, even when he thought the kid was going to be safe, he couldn't stay, you know, it's, it's a very interesting situation. And we're, we're learning, more about we learned a lot about the Mandalorian's character in this episode. It was really nice to see, you know, that he is, you know, got this paternal side, but he's also got, you know, under the armor, he's still human. And well, we assume he's human, but, um, you know, <laughs> we did see him as a kid, so he was a human kid. <laughs> yes, that's true, that's true. Um, so he's still human, he still has that desire for connection and relationship. And when he said that he hadn't taken the helmet off since he was, you know, like 12 or something in front of somebody else, that's that's isolating. Yeah. And uh, also, yeah. too, going because that's one of my favorite or probably my favorite aspect of this episode is those conversations he had with uh, the woman Omera in the village, just getting those little insights to his character and how, you know, what happened to him and how he was raised, like you said, bringing this saying that he hasn't taken that off since he was a child. It's just, you know, one of those fascinating things about the Mandalorian culture and him and with his clan in particular, because it brings up the question, because we know from Clone Wars and Rebels that it's not a mandatory thing where Mandalorians have to keep their helmets on all the time. They take it off in front of each other (laughs) anytime they want. So I'm thinking if it's something since he's a foundling where maybe since the Mandalorians took him in and he wasn't a pure-born Mandalorian, that's something that the families have to do in order to be considered Mandalorians and be part of the culture and their clan. And the fact that as, and again, we're jumping all over here, but at the very end where he's talking to Cara Dune about what would happen if he takes it off and he just goes, I'll never be able to put it on again. And she kind of laughs at that thing. Like, that's it. You mean you can, you stay here on this planet, have this relationship with this woman, raise your child, and no one will come after you. But you just see how important it is to him that mm-hmm. the fact that he would never be able to put it on again is something he obviously doesn't want to do because of how important he views that the Mandalorians and that armor. So just all that stuff of diving into his character, I just loved about it in this episode. Right. And and that, that aspect of not being able to take the helmet off um, – got me wondering okay is this a specific tribe of mandalorians that do this is this something that it's because he's a foundling he has to do this or is this something that the mandalorians or at least this group of mandalorians has adopted since the the imperial purge that uh that was mentioned an episode or two back um you know when i I guess the empire it seems like the empire went and just 
wiped out the Mandalorian warriors or tried to at least. Yeah, that's the impression um, you get when watching these episodes. Right, right. Uh, so, you know, is it is that what what it is? Is is that something that was developed after the Imperial Purge? Was it because he's a foundling? Is it because of his specific tribe? I don't know. You know, maybe maybe we'll learn more about that. Maybe we won't. I'm I'm very curious. Um, and I'm now that he, we've seen him take the helmet off and they've addressed the fact that, you know, yeah, he, he has to take it off to eat. And yes, he takes it off to eat and to sleep sometimes, you know, but we've addressed that now. Now it's like, OK, now I want to see his face. And I mean, I could just go p- pick up a picture of Pablo Pascal and go, aha, the Mandalorian. But yeah. no, <laughs> uh, I want to see the Mandalorian's face, you know, so. Um, I, I will say it was to me anyway, a little strange where he takes off the helmet. He puts it like on that window out there uh-huh. and he just stands there and any one of those kids easily could have turned around and see his face. <laughs> like after he took his helmet off, he didn't make much of an effort to kind of move away from the window and conceal, conceal himself. So no one could see what he looks like. <laughs> but I thought that was kind of a strange spot to remove his helmet and just stand in front of that window there. <laughs> but I, I assumed that, you know, he's kind of in shadow from the outside. You know, that was my assumption. Um, is you know we can see him standing there because we're inside with him looking out. But if you're outside in the bright sunlight, you know there was an awning. I'm I'm assuming he was at least you know shaded. His, his upper body was at least shaded in shadow or something. That's true. And when you got Baby Yoda out there, no one's gonna take their eyes off Baby Yoda. So <laughs> you know, nope. realize that. <laughs> not not in the slightest. Yeah. Um. Man. Uh. So do we want to talk about Cara Dune or the situation that, you know, that they all find themselves in first? Yeah, let's go ahead and talk about Cara Dune because this is her debut in the episode and we knew she was going to be a major character when the series pretty much was first announced and she was in a lot of the trailers. So yeah. I was kind of surprised it took three episodes for her to get introduced, but I think over the course of the series, it it feels right because it kind of would have felt like a shoot horn character if they were to... Sh- introduce her in episodes one two or three she would have felt a little shoehorned in because it was just so focused on the mandalorian getting baby yoda and then delivering him to the client and then everything that happened after that so this did feel like the right spot to introduce her and i thought she had a great introduction with the little scuffle they had (laughs) outside of that restaurant there (laughs) it was so great and then you know they end up you know on the ground blaster to blaster essentially and then slurp yeah, <laughs> the latest Baby Yoda meme to <laughs> take control of the internet. <laughs> I mean, I honestly, honestly, it, slight, dig, you know, dissemination away from from Kara Dune for a minute. But every time Baby Yoda's on screen, I just can't help but like giggle and laugh to myself. Yeah, <laughs> everything he does, I'm like, dude, you're too cute for words. Stop it. Uh, <laughs> Oh. But yeah, Cara Dune was a great introduction. I thought it was great. And and overall, I thought uh, uh, Gina Carano did a fantastic job. I'm really hoping that she is not a one-off character uh, and comes back. So no, she'll, she'll definitely be back. There's images and I think a few other shots in the trailers where we see her in another location um, than what we saw in this episode. There's that shot where she has like this big minigun that she's holding on to, like taking cover behind 
Like that's the right. So I, we're gonna see her again, definitely. Yeah, good. But it's just I just like her backstory that they set up so far, and they easily could have done you know an ex imperial soldier kind of like that. But I do like the fact that they made her an ex rebellion soldier, and she I like how she explained that after Endor they kind of became more sick after after endors like they would do you know almost like assassination <laughs> missions to take out like these imperial higher ranks that are still out there but then after you know the empire got wiped out for the most part how they just got resigned to like almost guard duty for political yeah. figures and and how she said how they were almost like suppressing rights on certain planets and that wasn't what she signed up for and that's why she left so just in her own right has an intriguing backstory as well which would be cool to see explored more in future episodes, hopefully also, but yeah, just a great introduction, great little insight to her backstory um, for in this episode and definitely some really great action scenes with her in the Mandalorian. Yeah. Oh, I, I should have said at the beginning um, of this discussion that uh, this is Mandalorian chapter four uh, sanctuary uh, written by John Favreau and directed by Bryce Dallas Howard. So just another one of the big names that directors that this series has. It's just so great. Yeah. That daughter of Ron Howard, director of Solo, among many other things. Uh, and, of course, she also uh, is starring in the, the newest Jurassic Park movies um, alongside Chris Pratt. So, among other things. But for those of you wondering who Bryce Dallas Howard is. But, um, yeah, no, Kara... Cara Dune, Cara Dune. I don't know. I I heard her pronounce it as Cara Dune. So, Cara, but I think Cara, in the episode, okay. the Mandalorian calls her Cara. So <laughs> it's another Han Han situation. Yeah, exactly. You know. <laughs> the same um, thing. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, no, I I do like her backstory. I like the the idea of her being an an ex rebel, you know, shock trooper, just sort of you know, out in the galaxy now, kind of making her own way and doing her own thing. Um, I, I really like, like that. And the fact that, you know, initially she was like, I was here first. You got a bug off planet. It's my planet. Um, I thought was kind of amusing. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, the Mandalorian quickly agreed to it too. <laughs> he just tells baby Yoda like, well, looks like this planet's taken already. <laughs> right. Get out of here. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, it was, that was kind of fun. Um, but oh, we just, forgot to mention too the beginning of that sequence, the great animated cameo we've got in live action for the first time of the lost cat <laughs> in live action. Yes, that was a yes. fun surprise too. <laughs> yeah, we got the loth cat um, from Star Wars Rebels and other places. See, when uh, I saw that, as great as it looked, it made me think: if we we get lost cats, can we get live action lost wolves? Pretty soon too, because I would love to see that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure loth loth wolves are only on Lothal. The loth cats can can sneak aboard places and get off planet. And loth wolves are a bit big. To hopefully, hopefully, one of his missions or bounties take him to Lothal, and then he can run into a loth wolf there. <laughs> <laughs> That's my hope for season two. Gotcha. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Um, oh, man, I. First, we had the Kowakian monkey lizards getting roasted. Yeah. Now we got cats. <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> so many good, good little Easter eggs in yeah. this. Um, the the story though goes along with the fact that there's the, these 
krill farmers, I think is what they call themselves. Um, and they, you know, they're doing their normal harvest, yada, yada, yada. And then this band of Clatoonian raiders comes through. And of course, Clatoonians are a species that have been around since Return of the Jedi uh, in Jabba's palace. Um, these are slightly different. They looked they looked a bit different. Um, of course, they've got much better articulated masks than they did back in Return of the Jedi. Um, I, I didn't realize these were supposed to be Clatoonians at first. Um, I think you were in the same boat with me, Tim. Yeah. Uh, they look they look like dog orcs to me. Yeah. <laughs> Such an accurate description. I love that. <laughs> uh, it was. Uh, it was. It was. But. But uh, what I was hoping for, though, was I mean, this is digging deep into old Star Wars <laughs> media and content. I don't know if you ever saw the old Ewok movies, Jason, that aired I, during the 80s. I there, have not. There's the movie, the second one, The Battle of Endor, and there's these group of marauders that are like the ones we see in this episode. And there's a few quick shots that I thought, oh, are they bringing back those marauders from Endor for this series? Because... Those movies are considered canon, unfortunately. They should be, but <laughs> I was thinking, is this their way of bringing them back into the Star Wars canon by having them in this episode? But once you saw more shots and like close-ups of their faces, I could easily tell that they're not the same Marauders from the Battle of Endor, but I would have geeked out so much <laughs> about if they were those same alien species because I love those movies as cheesy and corny as they can be. I just ate them up as a kid, so just... Looking back on it, I still look back on them fondly. So I was hoping for certain areas where they could pick certain creatures, characters from those movies to put them in Star Wars canon. That would be great. This was one area I thought they might do it, but it wasn't. But it still had that feel because of the Battle of Endor movie, because they're in the, the forest landscape. They're attacking the small village like they did in that movie. So had a lot of similarities to what I remember in the Battle of Endor movie. So um, that was one little fan hope i had while watching it but it got quickly dashed <laughs> yeah i i've not seen those but it seems to me that there's at least a couple of references to those movies that we've gotten so far in this series so um i know the blurgs were originally mm -hmm. created for those series but now yeah. they're you know they've been all over the place in star wars ever since so um but the the raiders come they steal, you know, the harvest from these these farmers and they take off. Uh, the Mandalorian is uh, recruited by some villagers to come help protect them or, or you know, to to get their stuff back and to get rid of the uh, the raiders. And the Mandalorian decides, hey, I got, you know, somebody else with a gun here and essentially, in exchange for lodging, he's going to do this. And so he gives the the money that the village gathered together to Cara Dune in order to employ her services to help take down this, this band. Um, although they, they quickly discover that it's not just, not just a, a bunch of random, you know, thugs in the forest they have a secret weapon <laughs> pretty big yeah. one <laughs> yeah yeah um it's an old imperial atst ladies and gentlemen uh yeah 
last seen in uh, Return of the Jedi and uh, pretty formidable. Unless, you know, you're an Ewok with a log. Um, <laughs> I was just thinking they just needed to cut down a bunch of trees and plant some logs on the ground. They'd be fine. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Um, they didn't have the infrastructure, though, to do that, unfortunately. <laughs> the Ewoks are quite tree savvy. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, that was new. Um, and not only. Uh, OK, question. Is this ATST actually manned by someone, or has it been modified to essentially be a droid? Huh. See, I didn't really think about it. I just assumed that it was being manned by one of those raiders in there. We just never saw it because when at the end of the episode where they take it down and he just throws the detonator in there, right? I just assumed he's doing it to take out the pilot <laughs> and the gunner. But that is interesting because we never actually see him or see any pilots try to get out after it gets knocked down. So, so that's an interesting concept where they just, you know, developed it to where it could be manned or yeah. without anyone actually piloting it. But like I said, kind of made it to this big gigantic droid because it did have those big bright red eyes that we didn't see in Return of the Jedi. This could be made because it's night and it's got part of its lighting, but it looked really cool. Right. Just seeing it look like that, but. Right. Yeah. No, that was my, that was my thing is like, you know, I, I assumed that the red was just, you know, the, the night lighting for the interior of the cabin, because, you know, you, you can't have the, the re bright regular light in there and still be able to see outside at night um, when you're piloting it. But, you know, because they have those windows, you know, wide open, I, I couldn't tell if, if there was actually somebody in there or not. And so I was just wondering if, you know, maybe it was, you know, retrofitted to, you know, operate on its own, you know, on behalf of the, uh, the Raiders, you know, uh, but either just, way. Yeah. They didn't seem very tech savvy to me. So maybe, no. maybe they hired someone to do it for them, but they didn't seem like it would be something they might do on their own. But Yeah. Yeah. Um, and just kind of the way it operated when it was, you know, coming up to the, you know, the village and stuff, it almost seemed a bit more, you know, autonomous than somebody, you know, inside it. I don't know. It, it, that may just be me reading into it. Um, but I don't know. I was just curious. That was just something that struck me. And I was like, is that? I don't know. Um, but that could have just been <laughs> that could have just been me. Um but yeah, and so there's this ATST, and I love I love what happens. They get back, and the Mandalorian is like, "Yeah, you can't stay here." Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, "What? Great, that's supposed to be encouraging." Yeah. Um, <laughs> like this is what we paid you for, <laughs> right? Um, and then um, uh, what's her name? Omera. Uh, ends up essentially talking the Mandalorian and Kara down and like, yeah, we're not leaving. We're staying. And so we get the, uh, the, the training montage where, where we, we do what we do in all of these stories uh, where we have to protect the village and we train the villagers to protect themselves or at least, you know, put up enough of a fight that we can, you know, hopefully win the day. Um, how do you think they pulled this one off? 
Yeah, I thought it was done well. I mean, again, going back to that familiarity we know of these type of stories, and it's kind of what you'd expected if you saw you saw both Mandalorian and Kara Dune train them in their own expertise. We see Kara train the villagers with the, those staffs and those spears and you know melee combat. And then we see the Mandalorian showing the other villagers how to shoot, like those pots and pans, and all of them are missing. But then um, Omero is the one who said she has experience shooting a blaster before, and she just nails her target every time. Which it was just, I thought that was just cool visually seeing the blaster ricochet off that like pan. Yeah, bunch of shots just flying off it. It was pretty cool. So yeah. I guess uh, like, I love I love when he's like, you know, so who knows how? Who here knows how to shoot? And her hand is the only one that goes up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they're expecting no one to raise their hand. So that had to be <laughs> a nice welcome surprise that at least someone rose their hand who knew how to shoot, which she obviously displayed that she definitely could. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So she kind of became the leader of the, the village resistance, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I will say uh, a lot of the, you know, like the training with the, uh, the staffs and stuff. The the stuff that was done in there is so so similar to what was in the Clone Wars episode. Yeah. I was even like, with, it's almost shot to shot, you know. I thought the same thing. Even with like one of those villagers holding it wrong, like yep. backwards, and <laughs> she has to flip it. I think there was something like that in the Clone Wars too. There's that one character who like was getting frustrated that he couldn't get it, but then he ends up doing something to defeat one of the pirates in the end, but they didn't have that in this episode, but yeah. you can definitely see the similarities of the villagers making mistakes and not really knowing what to do, just like we saw in that Clone Wars episode. Yeah, definitely. Um, but then we get the big, awesome, you know, action sequence uh, where where we take down the, the walker and we, well, first we sneak in in order to get the walker's attention and then we take down, you know, get the walker back so we can drop it into the, the pond that we've created the trap with. Uh, and then we get all the other bandits and that show up. Um, what, do you have a favorite part of this sequence? Uh, what do you think about this whole thing? My favorite part of it actually was the beginning of it. I love that little skirmish that both the Mandalorian and Cara Dune had in their camp that they were sneaking into or they just go into the tent or whatever then yes they're discovered or they just have a little fist fight there and then a shootout until the detonators blow up so it was just a fun little scuffle i just like the not only do i think the mandalorian cardoon just had a good chemistry together just the way they talk to each other and their banter but just how they fought too because they would do certain moves where one would take it like the other out like knock them off balance and the other would just knock them down so they had a good like tag team thing going there a little bit in that fight but once that ATSC got revealed and they had to make their escape, I just loved how that was shot, where they're running through the trees in the forest, and you just see in the background that ATSC right after them. I mean, it's yeah. kind of ironic that Bryce Dallas Howard directed this episode because there's a few shots where it reminded me of some out of Jurassic Park where they're they're running and there's a big Tyrannosaurus Rex behind them, like just chasing them. It had that feel like, like a Tyrannosaurus Rex was after them the way it was shot and you saw yeah. it in the background and running through the forest. So th- that was something that stood out to me that I thought looked really cool. So overall, that was a great action sequence. The kind of the big shootout in the takedown of the ATSD at the end, 
that's one area. It was cool. It wasn't bad or anything, but I just it felt a little small and too self-contained to like the front of the village. I think it would have been cool if some of the marauders got inside the village and there was more of a, a shootout inside the, the the village instead of just the front of it while the Mandalorian and Karadun are trying to take out the ATSC. It just for me anyway, sent a little too focused on that front area, which kind of kept the battle a little scaled back. And that's and that's okay too, even though I feel that way. We've got a we had just had in the previous episode a huge battle with a bunch of Mandalorians <laughs> taking out bounty hunters, and you cannot expect that in every single episode. So, even though it did feel a little smaller in scale to me when in terms of battles, it was still one that worked for the story they were trying to tell in this episode. Um, yeah, when they were just the villagers doing what they can, and then the Mandalorian and Kara trying to take out that ATSD. Yeah, no, it was. I don't know the the moment that just sticks out to me. You know, I I love the fact that every time they're about to get out of that tent, something another wave walks in on them, um, and then they end up having to blast their way out the side of the tent in order to not get blown up with it. Yeah, um, <laughs> the the humor in this episode is great. It's it's a little you know it's sort totally. of you know uh, you know a little bit dry, a little bit under you know you know a little bit toned down, but it's there. You know, it, it's it's a funny show. There's some definite funny moments in this show, and I really enjoy it. But yeah, there's there's a lot going on there. And then, but honestly, the the moment that just sticks out is is watching that ATST come out of the the forest, you know, overlooking the Mandalorian and Cara Dune, and then the shot of it coming through the trees to the village is just ridiculous and yeah. kind of crazy. Um, it's very well shot and and executed. And my God, this this thing looks like a freaking, you know, movie every episode. Um, I got to give, you know, Disney props for, uh, you know, throwing as much money as they have at each episode of this show uh, because it's well worth it. Definitely. Yeah. So, <laughs> and it's what you would expect for star Wars and live action too. So like, you, you know, it has to look good. And cause it's, it makes me think about when Lucas was trying to get uh, the star Wars underworld series going after revenge of the Sith and how they had all these scripts written, but it would just be way too expensive to do on TV at that time for have it to have it look like he wanted to and have it be uh, the same quality as the movies. And, you know, 15 years later now it's we're seeing it was worth the wait even though it's totally different series but knowing how this series here with the mandalorian just looks almost movie quality it's just i think exactly what lucas was hoping for when he originally intended for live action star wars on tv yeah i i think so too it was it's really good um all right so of course you know they stop the walker repel the raiders village is safe huzzah huzzah but then what happens next is very interesting, especially for this character of the Mandalorian. They stay for a few weeks. Yeah. And and he's on the verge of, of leaving, but he's going to leave the kid there for his own safety and protection and, you know, well-being. Um, and... 
he seems to at least seriously consider the offer to stay. He doesn't take it, but he doesn't like reject it offhand. Mm. Yeah, because when she's like trying to convince him to stay and she's about to take off his helmet, he doesn't immediately, you know, take her her hands off his helmet. (laughs) Like he lets her almost kind of lift it up just a little bit. Like maybe he was thinking during that time, should I do this? Should this be my life now? And just take away, leave the Mandalorian way behind. But again, going back to what we're talking about before, just how important the Mandalorians are to him and that armor, just even what could have been a good life for him is still not something he can do just yet. So there was, I think that conflict within him, even though he didn't say it again, goes to the brilliance of, I think this performance where you can't see his face, but you're still seeing the emotion come through under that helmet in that sequence, just, you know, him thinking about what he wants to do. So just a great moment I felt for him at the end here where he's trying to make that decision. If he should, if he should actually stay. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was really good. And, and I almost wanted him to stay. I really almost wanted him to stay. I was like, yeah, do it. It's a nice place. Yeah, you know, you deserve not, it. Too. <laughs> you, just, you deserve it. You can, you can have a nice life. Congratulations. Do it, mister. But you know you can't. You, you know that can't happen because you know uh, we got you know four more episodes this yeah. season and season two coming. Um, so and then all of a sudden, freaking tracking fob is going <laughs> off in the forest. Hate those things, man. <laughs> they, it's the bane of our existence. This this series. Okay, I have to say, the moment where the bounty hunter lines up the shot on the baby Yoda Mm -hmm. and we hear the shot and it takes a second to realize that the kid was not actually hit. My heart was bouncing all over upside down, inside (laughs) out in my throat. And I was like, Oh God, Oh God, did they, did they do that? Is that what's going to send him, you know, going back for revenge or whatever? I don't know. Um, you know, are they going to give us this cute, adorable thing and then shoot it in the head? Um, you know, I I mean, in the back of my mind, I knew they wouldn't do that. But in the moment, I nearly panicked. Um, yeah. <laughs> it was suspenseful, man. I mean, I was right there with you. Like, you know, they're not going to take out baby Yoda like that. <laughs> Everyone loves him. Like, how cruel would that be if he goes out in the fourth episode by taking a shot to the head? <laughs> I mean, right. There's no way, but just that visual of looking through the target and you see, you know, the crosshairs on him <laughs> through the gun and you're thinking, oh man, like you just picture in your head of it happening. Like that's the last thing you ever want to see with this right. character. So like it was suspenseful, even though you knew that it wasn't, they're not going to do it, but it had you at the edge of your seat for those few seconds there that felt longer probably than they actually are <laughs> waiting for to see what happened after you heard that blaster go off. Right, right. Because, you know, first we get the the reaction shot of the Mandalorian and Omera as, as they hear it and he starts running to the forest. He says, get to the kids. We see the kids standing up and kind of freaking out, but they're blocking our view of Baby Yoda. You know, and it's like, and then we we cut back to the bounty hunter who's still looking through the scope and then slowly slumps over, you know, with 
Cara Dune and the smoking blaster behind the bounty hunter's head. So, and we all breathe a sigh of relief. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, the big question is, well, are they tracking Mandalorian or the kid? And it's the kid. So he can't leave the kid here like he wanted to. And just as a fan and for what I'm ho- hoping we see in the series, I was actually kind of happy about that. <laughs> when I first thought because. Right. Of all the stuff we're talking about with speculation about what can baby Yoda mean about finding more about Yoda's species and his home planet. I was thinking, oh, if they leave him here. We might not get those answers <laughs> or unless they come back later on. But if this is a peaceful place, there's no reason or that wouldn't be attacked again. There'd be no reason for him to come back. So part of me was thinking, I hope he doesn't stay here because I want I want to see more of the character. But I'd hope to see more stuff expanded on him with the other species just like what i talked about at the beginning of the episode so i yeah. was glad that okay this isn't the end of baby yoda's story here he's not going to be left with these villagers so yeah even though it would be a perfect spot for him to stay with these farmers and be with these kids because when i saw it the first time like i said I had that relief feeling of knowing that okay this isn't the end of his story just yet but when i saw it a second time I felt more sad about the situation because obviously Baby Yoda loves it here. He loves hanging out with the kids, and the kids love him. So it was a little more, you know, melancholy watching it the second time. And they're saying their goodbyes and just seeing the yeah. look on the kids' face and Baby Yoda's face. So it was definitely a scene where, you know, it definitely got the emotion across that they wanted to as far as this being a tough decision for the Mandalorian to make, taking Baby Yoda away from somewhere that he, no doubt, I think, wanted to wanted to be. Yeah, yeah, and it's... Not only, you know, the the goodbyes of the, the kid and the, the kids, but also the goodbye of the Mandalorian and Omera. You know, it's like, you know, that they were a good match, you know. Mm-hmm. I, so it's like it it is a bit melancholy, you know. It obviously we're we're kind of happy because we get to continue the series and continue this adventure. But it's melancholy because you want to, you know, have a happy ending for these characters eventually. Um, so it's just it's just sad that this this moment is not it. Um, now, and like you ahead. said, too, how they said, I do like the idea that it wasn't just they defeated those raiders and they just stayed the night and then they're on their way. The fact that they had a few good weeks there and got to enjoy that life. For a little bit it's, it's got to be good for them it just wasn't a quick one and done thing which i was glad they made a point to say that no they've been here for a little bit and which undoubtedly made it tougher for the mandalorian to decide to leave and to take baby yoda with them because they did spend all that time there know how good this life could be yeah yeah and and it gives the mandalorian a, another look at what a community could be because he knows the mandalorian community Mm-hmm. And it is, you know, this is the way um, there's a lot of, of, you know, in a weird way, it's a bit Jedi like, um, you know, yeah, I know there's, what you a, mean. there's a code to live by um, and 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 you do certain things and you dress certain ways and you can't take the helmet off, at least in his case, uh, you know, and, and this is the way. Uh, but, you know, and especially for someone who is a foundling wasn't originally a Mandalorian uh, getting exposure to another kind of community 
like this where he could connect and could have life and maybe love and, you know, a, a good place to stay was just, you know, it's a very interesting thing to to throw that in front of a character like the Mandalorian and see what happens when it, that opportunity is taken away from him. Yeah, there could be a potential setup where they know it's going to be their last season, whatever season that is. They have it all planned out. This could be a spot. Or if he gets a happy ending, he could come straight back here. Right. <laughs> live his life out here. I mean, they could never go back to this planet again, but it's always something maybe in the back of his mind that this could be his goal to get back to maybe to this life that he enjoyed for a little bit um, those few weeks that he was able to stay on this planet. So that could be maybe a potential end game for him later down the line where they decided to end things, which hopefully isn't for a long, long time. <laughs> right. And I would be okay with that. I would be okay with mm -hmm. that ending. Um, but we'll see. There's a lot of Mandalorian left to go. So we don't know how long, how many seasons we've got of this thing. So <laughs> who knows how much they've got planned. Yeah. Um, any, any final thoughts on this episode that you want to get to before we get to some of the, the comments that people set in? Um, just echo, I guess what I said before, where I really enjoyed it. It was a different kind of episode, but I think it's what the series needed at this point in being its fourth one after, you know, those three episodes is doing really, really big things. It was kind of nice to take a little breather for this one. And yeah. even though the action's not quite on the same scale as those other episodes, it more than made up for it with great character moments that we talked about with the Mandalorian, with Cara Dune, with Omera, Baby Yoda, just everything that we got with those characters and a little more insight we got to the Mandalorian and um, how he lived his life as a Mandalorian is how he views it. So all that stuff was fantastic. And I just think, you know, just a good different episode than what we've got before, which is, you know, you hope to see in a series like this so yeah even though probably not my favorite one still very solid and it's just a series that i continue to love this didn't do anything to diminish my excitement or my enthusiasm for the show that's for sure it's just another nice progression for it i felt yeah definitely i it took a break it, it took a, a breather this week um not not a huge one but enough of a, of a breather that we didn't that we don't get burned out you know, you know, just running and running and running and running like we have mm -hmm. the last three episodes. Um, so this was this is a really nice episode. and I really enjoy it. Um, honestly, it's probably one that I will come back and watch again over some of the others. But like I said earlier, I don't know if that's because I like it more or if it's just I like it because it's different than the others that we've gotten so far. I'm not sure where where that lies yet. So, all right, um, our mailbag. Uh, uh, Mike has sent out a question in our mailbag uh, that people have responded to. How did everybody like Chapter Four of The Mandalorian? Uh, the introduction of hashtag Cara Dune was pretty great. Hashtag The Mandalorian. Uh, we got a couple of responses that we want to read and uh, comment on here. On Facebook, uh, James Walpole said, They went full samurai this episode. Loved it. Um, you Stephen, definitely saw that inf influence, that's for sure. <laughs> but again, definitely. Like definitely. Said, loved it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, there's, um, there's a, a, a story 
called Wolf and Cub, I think is what it's oh, called. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that I was told about by uh, my co-host on the Wampus Lair, Katie, um, after we talked about the first episode of Mandalorian. She was like, this is what this show is going to be now. It's Wolf and Cub. Um, and as, for those who don't know, it was originally, I guess, a manga back in the 70s. But it's been made into, you know, various, you know, anime and shows and, and things like that and remade uh, many different times over the years. But it's a it's a lone samurai warrior or mercenary um, who goes on this journey and, and has this whatever story that happens to him. But he's got this kid, you know, with him. It's his son. Uh, and in some versions, it's a very young son, you know, tied to his back kind of a thing. Uh, in other versions, he's a little bit older, but, uh, yeah, we're, uh, we're going full wolf and cub on this one. Um, apparently yeah, so. it's a great story because I mean, Star Wars isn't the only one to touch on this type of story where, you know, alone father or mother's looking after their young child. It's been adapted to other franchises. One that sticks out to me that was great is an episode of the 2012 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle series called Lone Rat and Cubs, where it's <laughs> Master Splinter taking care of the four turtles. And it's just, that's similar things like this, where you're just going, running into all these problems, trying to take care of these four baby turtles. But that idea of, you know, the adult taking care of this young child and doing anything at any cost to protect it. It's just always a great story to see. And I'm, for one, I'm glad to see Star Wars really going full blown into that because we're seeing it in the Mandalorian. It's been great. Yeah, yeah, no, it it's been it's been good so far. Um, also on Facebook, Stephen Yip said uh, another great episode. I really enjoyed this brief respite from the intense uh, the intensity of last episode. Uh, in levels of intensity, it's like episode one was an eight, two was a nine, and then three was ten, and this was back to eight. Uh, I love the show so much. My wife, who, quote, hates Star Wars, is even enjoying it. <laughs> so. That's good. Even though I think the word hate and Star Wars should never go together. But <laughs> no. no, the fact that, you know, getting her to like it is awesome. So it's yeah. definitely doing something good. Yeah. And I, I think I would agree with the the intensity level uh, going um, in episodes one, two and three. I'd probably say the intensity in this level was more of a seven than an eight. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, it, it, it definitely started out pretty big and then built up to last episode, uh, episode three, and then kind of cooled off a bit this week. So it lets us breathe. Yeah. Um, but we, nice. like we said, things got pretty intense when baby Yoda was in the crosshairs of that bounty hunter. <laughs> that definitely oh. went up to any, <laughs> Oh, I mean, you know, before that, even, even the battle was kind of like, Oh, this is cool more than this is tense. Yeah. Mm. And then, and then we had that, that last minute spike in intensity when we're worried that we're going to get a freaking baby Yoda headshot and ugh, nobody needs to see that ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Um, some responses, uh, we got a response from Twitter, uh, from Martin Alleman, uh, at Dharmit Studios. I know it's been done before in the Clone Wars, but the Seven Samurai plot device still worked for me. It was great to see it again, but this time in live action. The ATST coming to life was probably my favorite moment. Bryce Dallas, Bryce Dallas Howard directed a solid episode. 
Uh, Martin, uh, we we totally agree. I think we hit on all of those those topics this episode. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> couldn't agree more. Yeah, no, it's uh, it definitely worked. Um, and we lastly got a uh, an email from uh, Sherston, I believe is how that's pronounced. Uh, he they started by saying, "I don't know if you've seen the Facebook tag group." Uh, my bisexuality just took a hard gay turn, but that's how I'm feeling about Cara Dune. I really like how she's not a female soldier stereotype, but actually well-rounded. It's almost like this episode was directed by a woman. That last part's <laughs> in parentheses. Uh, did you catch Pillboy from The Good Place, Eugene uh, Cordero, as a Clatoonian? Um, I am not familiar with The Good Place, so... Uh, but I guess he was the... the uh, Raider chief. So yeah, same here. I'm not familiar with the good place at all. So <laughs> sorry, no. like the wrong host to have that question about. <laughs> right. Sorry. You, you, probably, you asked that question to somebody who knows what the good place is and we are not those hosts. I'm sorry. I apologize. Sherston. Um, but yeah, no, Cara Dune was definitely a well-rounded character. Um, I, I really like the fact that she's even though we don't know a lot about her still especially not a lot of details she feels like a fully you know realized character um and and i'm really looking forward to her coming back uh so that's definitely definitely something i'm interested in yeah same here great introduction to her and again i said it before but i just almost all the characters that the mandalorian is interacting with i just Love the chemistry he has with them. You think of Kuil from the first two episodes. I'm probably butchering his name. <laughs> I, think, I think it's I think it's pronounced Quill. Well, all I, I got to think is Peter Quill from Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy, and I'll be good. <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> you know Q U I L L or not uh, K U I L L. I think it's pronounced Quill, but I'm not sure. They didn't actually say his name. Yeah, that would have been nice if they did. <laughs> yes, but no, yeah, his interactions with him, and then the stuff with Grief Karga. But even more so, I think he's good, the relationship he had with Cara Dune here is just going to get even better in future episodes. You just already feel the chemistry and the rapport they have and respect that they have with one another um, from when they had that little scuffle and they just knew how good of fighters or warriors, whatever you want to call them, they are. And they just have that mutual respect. And you saw it over the course of this episode. And even in their goodbyes they had where they just give that little handshake there <laughs> like yeah yeah like thanks thanks for all you did and we'll probably see each other again and kind of they're hoping they'll see each other again too whenever they need it where it's almost at the point where they got each other's backs now after this experience they had together which is cool to see yeah uh okay here's a little speculation uh, my speculation is that uh ultimately what happens is we get to the point where either the Empire manages to get Baby Yoda back or they find where uh, the Mandalorian and Baby Yoda are and they, you know, essentially are going in for the ultimate, you know, the, the takedown or whatever. Um, one of those two scenarios and the Mandalorian has to call in favors from all of his friends uh, in order to go rescue, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Baby Yoda or whatever. We're going to end up naming him. Please name the kid. 
That's all I ask. Yeah. There, there's so many characters in this show that are just the something. Yeah. <laughs> See, I, I think Baby Yoda needs a name more than the Mandalorian needs a name. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. Um, all right. Uh, that's all I've got. Uh, anything else you want to make sure we, we touch on this episode, Tim? I think we got it covered. I mean, all the cool bits and Easter eggs, action sequences, character moments, emotional moments. I think we've covered it all in this episode. So yeah, just, it was just fun talking about it because it's making me want to watch it again. Because right. Talking about it, we just recognize all the great stuff that this episode had. So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. it was a great one. It was really good. It really was very, very good. And I, I enjoy all the characters that we got to meet in this episode. Uh, Tim, uh, for those who enjoyed our discussion, uh, tell everybody where people can find you on the internet and your other projects. You can find me mainly on Twitter. That's where I usually hang out on social media at Tim G three eleven, where I'm talking about star Wars, of course, and a bunch of other nerdy stuff that I'm into. And then, um, for my star Wars podcast, star Wars, the saga continues. You can follow us on Twitter at star Wars TSC. And if you're a Batman fan or a comic book fan, you can check out my Batman podcast, uh, the bat fans podcast over at the Batman universe. And you can follow us uh, on Twitter at bat fans podcast, but we talk a lot more than just Batman. We've been talking about the Mandalorian the last few episodes. (laughs) (laughs) You want to hear more talk about it for me. You can check out, both my Star Wars podcast and my Batman podcast. It's just Mandalorian nonstop these last few weeks for me. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, you can always find me. I'm with the Wampus Lair podcast um, Wampus, at Wampus Lair on Twitter, uh, facebook.com slash Wampus Lair podcast, or email us at Wampus Lair podcast at gmail.com. Uh, we're part of the Star Wars Report dot com network, so be sure to st- check out starwarsreport.com for a lot of other awesome podcasts in addition to thunderquack.com for uh, more episodes of this podcast and other great podcasts uh, like the socket continues uh, or rebel cells um, for, for you star Wars fans out there. So uh, I think that's all we got for this episode, Tim. Thanks so much for, for joining me on, on this uh, first episode of faster more intense without mike or matt um yeah <laughs> and first episode for you and me on this episode so yeah <laughs> a lot, a lot of, first of firsts in this one yeah but yeah it was a blast getting to talk about this episode with you just and diving into everything that we loved about it so yeah lots of fun indeed uh, we, we we need to make sure we don't go more than a year before we talk again yeah um, definitely <laughs> <laughs> all right well thank you everyone so much for listening to this episode of faster more intense this has been the episode for mandalorian chapter four uh for tim i'm jason thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time bye You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Star Wars FMI. If you like what you hear, you can support us in two ways. First, by heading to store.thunderquack.com to pick up some merch, or by heading to patreon.com thunderquack to kick in with your monthly pledge of support. Your pledge gets you early access, exclusive podcasts, and more. Thanks for listening. 
and may the Force be with you. Faster, More Intense is part of the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Head to thunderquack.com for more great podcasts.